0: Good morning. I'm going to have you turn to the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 18. I just want to pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning, and as we sang that song, How Great You Are, I pray myself, for all of us, that we would live our lives in response to that to know how great you are. Lord Jesus, just set us free this morning just to see you for who you are and to see ourselves for what we are and the bridge that you've put between us and you with Jesus to make us acceptable to you, God. Just use your word. Lord, use your word in a quick and powerful way this morning that only your Holy Spirit can do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title that I had for this message this morning is um, What Impresses God? What Impresses Him? And we may think in our mind right right now different things that would impress God. Um, You know, and the section that I'm going to read in just a second. You know, sometimes we, we look at people and we ne- may never admit it, but somehow we feel if we're talking to somebody who maybe has had a marriage problem or some type of issue, maybe an addiction problem or divorce, whatever it may be, there's a subtle thing within us that just makes us think that we're better than them. Like we feel a little bit superior because i don't have that problem and if you're honest and i know i feel those things at times just like i'm glad i'm that i'm not in that situation not that i wouldn't want to be but like for some way i have an edge on that person and it's so subtle because the most subtle sin that there is and it comes in many different ways and it disguises itself in many different ways is the sin of pride it's so, I mean, it took Satan himself, Lucifer, that was the sin that he would try to be better than God. That's how powerful that is. And he was right around God. He was a cherub, the highest cherub, and here he was thinking, i I, I can do that and I can be I can be better than that. And so it's such a it's such a dangerous sin, and I know I've talked to some of you this year, everything I've been the thing that's been in my mind is so much of what I see in myself and in others and in the church, it all boils down, it comes right down to pride. And you may think, we, we, we won't admit it or we won't f- say that, but deep in our heart, whether we recognize it or not, because it can be deceitful, we, are, we, are, we fall into the deception because of pride. It's rampant. And I just think just the way our society is and the way we are and how important it is what we think about situations. I mean, that's there's good and bad in everything. You just look at the uh, social media and it's so much about you know, what I think, what you know, my opinion. When you stand before a holy God, it's not going to matter what you think or what your opinion is. You're going to fall flat in your face just like John did when he saw him, boom. It was just like, there's, so, yeah, it's good to say things, and, and you want to say them in, in, with the spirit of God, but it's really, in the end, you know, it's what God says that's important, and how I, and how I live my life off of that. And so, this section here, we're going to read, um, everyone, you'll find yourself in this story, and you'll see, it, it can talk about, a believer and an unbeliever, or a Christian and another type of a Christian. And I'm not going to tell you what category you're in. The Holy Spirit will do that. But don't think that you don't fall into any of that, because there's pride right there. And so we're all guilty of trying to impress God. So I just want to cover this morning, what impresses God and what doesn't impress God? Because I think that would be important to us to think, okay, am I trying to impress God? Or what does really, what really impresses him? So Luke chapter 18, verse 9, this is Jesus speaking. And he spoke this parable unto certain people which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican or a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself to God. I thank you that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican or this tax collector. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven. But he beat his, upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased or made low, and he that humbles himself shall be exhausted. So we see here, the the first point I have here, what impresses God is when you don't try to impress God. What impresses God is when you're not trying to impress Him. In other words, you're being real. Here's the Pharisee we see in verses 10, 11, and 12. The Pharisee, basically he had a heart for religion, but his religion had no heart. Some of the toughest people to share the gospel with, and especially up in New England, where there's a lot of religion, there's a lot of Christian religion, to me it's harder to reach a lost religious person than someone who has had no other exposure to Christianity or that never heard the gospel it's the Billy Graham has said it. It's like you're in, they're inoculated. It's like when you have, want to get the flu shot, they give you a little bit of the flu so you won't get the real thing. That's what religion does. It gives you a little bit of the truth but inoculates you from the real thing. And it's hard to penetrate that with people because why? I'm religious. I'm a good person. I go to church. What is it really you're going to tell me about God? And there's that self-righteousness that's in them. And so, I just want to show you some verses here. I let the word of God speak. Proverbs 26. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Proverbs 30, 12. There's a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. So here's the Pharisee. As you see here, he stood in the center of the court. He was going to pray so that everybody could hear and see him. I want people to notice me. This was the Pharisee. And Jesus was, he loved the Pharisee, but he was the hardest on the Pharisees. You sons of vipers. He he really came at them because they had a righteousness, but it was a self-righteousness. And Jesus was going to, and that's part of love too. Sometimes when you deal with a person like that, the Holy Spirit wants to chop them down to size so that they, they they're maybe can become humble to receive the love of God. And so here was the Pharisee, stood in, wanted to be seen and heard. It says here that he tithed his, his income and his possessions. He was, a, he was a double tither, basically. And he wanted everybody to know that. This is what I give, and he's glaring over at the tax collector. He fasted twice a week. In the Old Testament, you required only to fast once at the Day of Atonement. So basically, he was fasting 103 times more than what was required. And he wanted to show people here how righteous he was. Now, we would say to ourselves, I would never do that. I would never be like him. But we do it in different ways. And you can fill in the blanks of how, that, how you could do that. As you compare yourselves among yourselves, what does it say in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians? It's not wise to do that. Who cares what someone else is doing? All that really matters, it's between you and God. Because that's all that's going to matter in the end anyway. You're going to stand before him. This person's not going to be near you. That person's not going to be near you. It's going to be you and Jesus as a Christian as he judges you for what you've done. You still have eternal life, but it's time for rewards. Proverbs uh, 28, 26. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whosoever walks wisely will be delivered. It's amazing how often you hear people say, this is what I feel. And this is what my heart is telling me. Go ahead, trust in your heart. Who trusts in their own heart is a fool. You want to be able to trust in the Spirit of God and what the Spirit of God is saying to you. But everything is subjective and everything is emotional a lot of times in people's lives. And that's how you, go, that's how you get off track. And our emotions are strong. We feel things, and we feel because we feel that, that it's got to be right. What you, what you feel could be totally wrong. I'm not going to have you turn there, but Matthew 26, What did Peter say to Jesus? When Jesus said, I'm going to the cross, Peter says, I will never, never deny you. Not me. Maybe these other guys will, but I'll never deny you. And Peter denied him, trusting in his own heart and what he believed. Again, it was a form of pride that Peter had. Pride in his self-strength. People trust in church. There's someone here this morning who's trusting in church to save them. They're trusting in, because I was baptized. I come to church. My good works. The only thing that's going to save you is trust in Jesus Christ. Because, you know, if you read in Ephesians, there's one body, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism. God doesn't see Cottage Hill. He sees believers. He doesn't see denominations. He sees Christians. How many people are depending on their denomination to save them? I know a lot of people that are. Just because I go to this church, I'm going to make it to heaven. They're not trusting in Christ. I would call that spiritual pride. John 9 4, 41. Jesus says to them if you were blind you would have no sin but now you say we see therefore your sin remains Revelation 3:17 I'm just going to give you these scriptures because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know you do not know that you are wretched miserable poor blind and naked In here, the Pharisees said in those verses that he was speaking, those two verses, five times he said, I, 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 I I tithe, I pray, I do all these things. He was fooled. I'm not like other people. That can that can go two ways. I'm not, I'm a Christian, I'm not like that lost person. Oh, 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 you are. It's just that you've, you've received the gift. You're a sinner. And on the other hand, I'm not like that type of a Christian. I'm a better Christian. This stuff is all subtle. It's not going to come at you face value because you're going to be in a place where you're going to be able to recognize it. Deception never comes that way. It comes as an angel of light. It comes so close, and yet it's so dangerous. The, the second thing the Pharisee said, verse 11, he was fooled about prayer. I'm going to read something here. This man was fooled about his prayer. Verse 11 says, he stood and prayed with himself, it says. The Greek language literally says to himself. When you approach God with pride, you wind up talking to yourself. You think God hears your prayer when there's so much pride in your heart? He doesn't. You're basically talking to yourself. Someone said the only person God sends away empty is the person full of himself. Prideful prayer is nothing more than an echo in your own ears. I'm not here this morning to discourage you. I'm here to challenge you and to also challenge myself that I want to check my heart all the time and my spirit before God so that I'm not a Pharisee. Approaching God with pride. And this thought, how, how, does this, how does this actually happen? Something has to happen. Like we sang the song that the worship team led us in, How Great is Our God. This is, in my mind, how I think it happens. We have an inflated view of ourselves and a deflated view of God. Our view of God is we make God fit into what we want him to be. And that's how we can operate and actually live our lives that way. We have an inflated view of ourselves and a small, deflated view of God. How about an inflated view of God and a deflated view of myself? Not. I know that I'm in Christ. I know I'm forgiven. I know all that. But pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. How does that happen? I begin to think I'm bigger than God, actually. I, th- I won't say that, but I will think, well, yeah, I know what he wants me to do, but I think I've got a better plan. It's serious stuff when you think about it. Here's the God of heaven, the great God, the God, how great is our God. It's easy to sing that song, but do we live our lives like he is great and we're, we're but dust. And yet we're everything in Jesus. The second thing here is, what impresses God? And I think I've touched that on a little bit. Humility impresses God. Verse 13. Here is the publican of the tax collector. Basically, they were the scum of Jewish society. Basically, they were the IRS for the Roman government. High rates they charged, and they skimmed off the top. This was the tax collector. I read in one place, so despised, they couldn't hold any public office, and their word was considered worthless. Worthless. That's the way it was. Their word was considered worthless. There couldn't be probably anybody lower than a tax collector for the Roman government working among the Jewish people. It's kind of like a traitor, right? Working for them and collecting from you. And I'm one of you. And I'm gonna steal whatever I can. Proverbs 29, 23. Man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Isaiah 2.12 For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon everything proud and lofty, upon everything lifted up, and it shall be brought low. The tax collector was humble. He was a humble person. He was sinful, but he was broken. He was humble. To say the things that he said, verse 13, we see, by his feet, he stood afar off on the outer edges. Where the Pharisees stood in the middle court, the tax collector stood on the outer edges. He knew who he was. Isn't it funny how we think that person, oh, he's so sinful, he could never be saved? God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He thinks just the opposite because he sees the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. He saw that tax collector. He saw something was real in his heart. And he understood the Pharisee. He's seen that enough. Luke 5.8 When Simon Peter saw it, He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Remember when Peter couldn't catch any fish? And Jesus said, Throw it on this side of the boat. And he caught all those fish. Boom. Peter fell to his knees. And he recognized, I'm a sinful man. That takes humility. Nobody is going to get saved without humility. I don't need God. I don't need church. I've heard so much of that within the last six months. It frustrates you, but it's like, are you kidding me? You don't need God, you don't need church, you don't need people. I just need myself. That's where, that's where a lot of people are coming from. I don't need anybody. Because I don't really trust anybody. And so why would I get close to anybody? And so, wow, they live a life that's really separated, and they think that's... That's an enjoyable life. It's kind of sad, isn't it? That's the way, the way of the world, the way it's going. It's a lonely way to go. The Pharisee was too proud to look up to God. He didn't look up to God. But the tax collector was too ashamed to look up. There's a difference. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He's just looking on people's hearts. It doesn't matter what the sin is or how much you did it. He took all that on the cross. He took every sin of the world that would ever be committed and was going to be committed, and he took it on the cross for you. And so this sin doesn't intimidate him. It's just, do you want to receive the gift? He wants to give you the gift of eternal life. And we're, th- and we're thinking with people, and sometimes we present that to people like, well, I don't know, they're pretty bad. It's just like, no worse than you. <laughs> it's that you don't see God the way he sees you. And then it says, his eyes, his eyes didn't raise up to heaven. His hands, they beat against his chest. A sinner. In verse 14, what does it say? I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. The religious person didn't impress Jesus. The one, the man who was sinful and broken impressed him. And he went away justified. We don't hear and we don't read what the rest of that story was. I just believe that that, that man became a believer. His voice, again, crying out to God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I say that to God even as a believer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I know you've forgiven me, but I am broken because of this. Do we have that brokenness? As believers, when we're sinning against him, we know he's forgiven us, but to get that communion back, not that he breaks it off, but just like, Lord God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your blood. And uh, thank you for the cross. And I move on from there. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. He's near to those that have a broken heart. When we're sharing the gospel with people, we have to discern who we're dealing with. Because you can give the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time. For me, if someone's proud and self-righteous, Proud and self righteous, I'm not going to approach that person with, you know, God loves you. And he's, yeah, and they'll say to me, yeah, I know he does. Because they're proud and self righteous. They think there's something. You're going to end up, the way to approach that person is to show them, you have to let the Spirit show them that they're a sinner, that they've got to humble themselves. And so that's some part of evangelism we don't like to do because there's confrontation. Well, that's the way it is sometimes. There is confrontation, godly confrontation with people in the spirit of God where you're telling them, you know, have you ever committed a sin in your life? I love when people say, well, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe I've lied once in a while. It's like, you're lying right now. (laughs) Like, i got to convince someone. But the person who's broken and humble and, and in a place of they know that they're a sinner, that's the one that is open to receiving the love of God. Because the Holy Spirit has already done a work in their heart. So people who are stubborn and proud, at that particular time, I'm not wasting time with them. I can pray for them, but they've got to, they've got to get chopped down a little bit. And that's still God's love when he's chopping people down because he wants to get their attention so they'll look to him. By his hands, he beat his breast. By his voice, he said, Be merciful to me, a sinner. I want to read something here. But the other thing that impresses God is honesty. In the Greek language, this man literally said, Be merciful to me, the sinner. The word merciful is a Greek word that goes back to the Hebrew word kippur, which literally means atonement. Yom Kippur literally means the day of atonement. The word atonement means to cover. What this man really said was this, I am exposing my heart for what it is sinful. God, will you cover me? That's all God needed to hear. God, will you cover me? He was exposing his heart Luke 14.11 Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and who who humbles himself will be exalted. He who humbles himself will be exalted. God has a way of exalting the humble and humbling the exalted. He has a way of doing that. And we're praying for people to get saved. Sometimes we're praying the wrong thing. My prayer is For for certain people, Lord, bring them down so then you can lift them up. Bring them down. They're arrogant. They're proud. They think they're something. I can't do anything about that, but you have ways of humbling the exalted. And he has a way of exalting the humble. Humility is the key to keep your walk with God, not only for salvation, but to keep your walk with God in the right place. Stay humble. Pride is so destructive. Outside, the Pharisee looked cleaner to God, but on the inside, the tax collector was. The tax collector on the inside was cleaner to God than the Pharisee. One thing worse than being a sinner is not admitting that you are one. Not admitting that you are a sinner. You may be sitting here this morning and you're thinking, I'm not a sinner because what you're thinking is, I'm not as bad as that. I'm not in jail. I don't steal. I don't do these things. but you're not trusting in Jesus. You don't need Jesus. That was my question before I was saved was like, and it was the Holy Spirit obviously working in me like, how good do I have to be to get into heaven? I was trying to figure out, okay, how, so how does that work? How good? Don't do this, that, that, and then there's something above that, there's something below that, and you hope you might make it. And what did G- Jesus said? When they were talking about him, they said, Don't call me good. Obviously, Jesus on the earth was a man and God at the same time. It's my Father who's good. There's none righteous, not one person. You were born in sin. You were born with a sin nature. But God has a solution for that. It's in Jesus. And lastly, the, in verse 14, i tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. This shocked the listeners that were there. It's kind of like the Pharisees wore the white hats and the tax collectors wore the black hats. Just listen to these two sentences. I don't know who said them, but I, I found this studying, and they're really profound. It says, we learn that it is not how you see, but how God sees you. It doesn't matter how you see yourself, it's how God sees you. The second is, when you see God the way you should see God, then you will see yourself the way you really are. Let me say that again, in case you didn't get it. When you see God the way you should see God, then you will see yourself the way you really are. That's why it's important to be in this book, because this word and this spirit will show you not only who you are in Christ, but who you really are, it'll be like, whoa, I'm off course. You read it, you pray, or you come to church, you hear something, you go, whoa, I'm, I'm coming short again. There's nothing wrong with that. It just, ma- it just keeps you in a place of dependence on God. I need him. I'm not going to make it without him. And when we sang the songs this morning, Surrender, somehow we think surrender is a horrible negative thing. It's the most freeing thing that there is. When you surrender to him, and then he can, and basically what you're doing is you're humbling yourself before him, and then he can do what he wants to do in your life. And then we'll think, well, oh, that sounds kind of scary. I don't know if I want that. I'm probably going to come out on the short end on this. Are you kidding me? This is the best plan. He's got the best thing for you. But the enemy lies to you and tells you, don't do that. It has nothing to do with me or anybody else. It's between you and God. You're not surrendering to a church or anybody. It's you surrender to him. And it's that word mercy. It is what God gives you when you admit to him that you need it. I need mercy. We need mercy every day. So you may think, I'm not the Pharisee, but sometimes we can have a Pharisee attitude in our mind and not even know it. Or we're trying to impress God. Well, God, I, I know what you're telling me to do, but I do do this, and I do do that, and I do do that. doesn't care about that it just matters what he's telling you to do now and it's like in our minds it's like gulp it doesn't have to be that way and the more you step out in faith the more you see he's there the, the more you get to see how the bigger you see god is a good thing because you realize wow i need him and without him i can do nothing jesus said he said without Without me, you can do nothing. You're sitting here right now, and this breath that you just took, you had no control over that. Your heart beating right now, it's him allowing it to beat. It's all God. When God gets us in that place of humility, that's where he can work through us. Again, none of us has arrived. It's, it's not a once and for all, sometimes it's step by step. It's a little bit, maybe you've got to take baby steps to get there. Maybe I, I've seen very few people who make one big leap from there all the way over. Usually it's a process. Finally it's just like, okay God, what do you want, my whole life? Yeah, that's about it. I've said this before, I used to go to church and sit there angry and frustrated in the beginning. It's like, what is it? What do they want, my whole life? (laughs) Yeah, that's what he wanted. And I'm sure there's areas that he doesn't have my whole life. not saying I have arrived. All I'm saying is, it's a process. When you realize who you are without God, and on a moment-to-moment, daily basis, you depend on him to be what you need to be for God, that impresses God. That's what impresses God. I saw this illustration. Many years ago, a man conned his way into the orchestra of the emperor of China. Although he could not play a single note, whenever the group practiced or performed, he would hold his flute against his lips, pretending to play, but not making a sound. For years, he received a good salary and enjoyed a comfortable living. Then one day, the emperor requested a solo from each musician. Well, the flutist got very nervous. There wasn't enough time to learn the instrument. He pretended to be sick, but the royal physician wasn't fooled. On the day of the solo performance, the impostor took poison and killed himself. The explanation of his suicide led to a phrase that found its way into the English language. He refused to face the music. The way to impress God is simply face the music. Lord, would you pour out your mercy on our lives that we draw us to yourself? Pray for our church, Lord, people that are here, people that aren't here. They come to that place of surrender to you, they come to the cross, realize you have so much for them. If you don't know him, he, he offers you eternal life this morning. You may be a tax collector, but he's covered your sin. Ask him in to forgive you this morning, he will. Just say, "Lord Jesus, save me. You don't need to be a part of this church. you will, if you are fine, all you need to do is call on him. Be merciful to me, Lord a sinner, and save me, and he will." make that decision this morning, just let someone know they'll pray with you. God, for us as a church and your people, thank you, God, that your grace never ends in our lives. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. There's no guilt this morning. Just knowing who you are. Lord, I pray that you give us a bigger vision of who how great you are and how much we need you. We bow our hearts before you this morning and cry out to you this morning, Lord, work. Let's just pray that out loud this morning in our hearts if you mean it. Lord God, just pray together, Lord God, work in me. Work in us, Lord God. We pray that you change us, Jesus. You work in a way that would transform us. Lord God, cry out to him. He wants to hear your voice. He hears your voice. Lord Jesus, work in this in a mighty way, God. Transform our lives. Glory and honor to you, God. We praise your name this morning. We thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this incredible plan that you have for our lives. I pray that we would all step into it. Lord, I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to have pharisaical attitude towards anybody. I pray for myself, I pray for all of us that we'd stay in a place of being humble. To know that we're nothing without you. Everything that we are is because of you. The thoughts that we're thinking right now, are, the Holy Spirit is inside of us if we're a believer. It's because of you. We just cooperate with who you are, and we're, we're rewarded for that. But without you in that initiation, nothing happens. It's all you. Well, I pray that you'd rid us of our, of our pride. It's in, in those secret crevices there, in those areas that we don't, we, we, we don't even know they're there. I just pray that you would flush them out, God. that your Holy Spirit can flow through us. There'll be a moving of the Spirit in our hearts and in our church. Because we realize who you are and who we are and that you made a bridge so that we can even know you. By your mercy, God, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Lord, just use us in the lives of those that don't know you. Give us wisdom. Let us not pass by the tax collector thinking they're too far gone. Your hand reaches out to them. And for the Pharisee, Lord, you love them the same way. We thank you for today, God. We thank you for just allowing us to be here. And experience who you are. Thank you for this body here. Continue to knit our hearts together, God. Keep us unified and strong in you. Help us to love one another as you loved us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Dismissed.